my reasons for beer drinking. Number one, <laughs> number one reason reason is crisp. Crisp. Even the word crisp sounds crispy. Oh, that's it's a one of those great words. Uh, welcome to Hearwax Two, hosted by myself, Logan, and the other guy, Alec. Hey. We called ourselves Hearwax Two because we used to run a low key but kind of affectionately known in the in the heavy music circles blog called Hearwax. And there's a very small percent chance that if you're listening to this and you saw the name Hearwax, that perhaps you read one of our reviews or interviews once upon a time. And this is our kind of lazy sequel where instead of actually having to write and put things into WordPress and find the corresponding Getty images and not getting in trouble for usage violations, we can just talk about stuff we like and output one audio file and be done with it. So that's, I don't have to, I don't have to type on MSN messenger and ask you how to, how, how do I bold words? How do I format? And then you have to go into the format area where you have to put square bracket B. It's also a coding pod. Yeah. Yeah. This is about coding and crisp beers here. Uh, here wax was uh, a blog basically that Alec and I started and a bunch of our friends joined where uh, a few of us had written for other music publications or film publications or what have you. And we decided to just put all that effort into one site that made $0 when I got banned from Google ads for some reason. <laughs> so we never made any money whatsoever. We did, however, make some kind of awesome connections with some bands we still love to this day, like The Armed and Oregon. Uh, Steve and Jared, if you're listening, please drop a song like you promised you would in 2020. That would be lovely. But from that site, one thing we did kind of really pride ourselves on was, you know, like well thought out intellectual kind of discourse around uh, music and films that we really liked or disliked and reasons why, as well as putting together thoughtful interviews, uh, some music think pieces, and of course expanded into some, some film as well. So that's kind of what inspires this next iteration of everything. And we've talked about doing a podcast, Alec, for three years, probably. And we decided that now that the market is completely saturated with podcasts, that we would do it now as well, because we're good at business. Well, I think, you know, how you described Hearwax, I think that was, that was, that seemed a little novel, at least to us at the time. You and I, you know, in real life, we've been those douchebags who stand at the back of the death metal show wearing primary colors and uh, kind of wanted to bring that to internet journalism, so to speak. So this is to say, I think we did that kind of early on before, you know, there, there's a lot of really good websites now that, that do that. I don't think that was around when, you know, 10 years ago, uh, we're going to do the opposite. <laughs> be one more unnecessary podcast. Uh, when before we were totally novel as writers. So, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah. I guess now that is kind of more of the norm. And, you know, we did one thing that we thought was super wild and important at the time was, you know, when we started writing reviews, we removed after a bit, we removed the scoring system, which we thought was really revolutionary because then mm -hmm. it would force you to read the whole article. And then several months later in the world, we discovered that no one was reading anything anymore anyways. So we had clearly made another great business decision, which was to write long form things without 
validation and instant gratification that people came to expect. So then we started giving up, although I still get music releases sent to me early, which is awesome from some, some awesome labels like tiny engines and stuff. So that's cool. You bring up my motivation for writing for hero Wax, which was, I just wanted records early. Yeah. that's true. It's, yeah. You want to get your, your album that you're looking forward to like two months in advance, you know, let alone the leak, which we never download. We never download leaks. Say you wanted your album early. I mean, you just, say I'm a writer, I write for a website and they really take it at face value. So, I mean, that was my, that was my impetus for getting involved. Well, I still, I still remember in, in my college dorm when I got axed to fall early and you, you came over on like a weekday so we could listen to axed to fall through like my iMac. Uh, by the way, listeners, axed to fall is from a classic rock band called Converge. <laughs> but I guess after that, that intro, we'll get kind of into the topic of our inaugural first ever episode, which we wanted to make it a kind of a simple topic to dive into now that it's December, you know, mid-December is kind of the year that was 2020, but related to heavy music. So, you know, we'll kind of touch upon maybe some trends we noticed as well as our individual top five records, um, which were actually different from each other's, which rarely happens for Alec and I. Uh, some of his top five are outside of mine, et cetera. So we'll, we'll talk kind of through each of our top fives and the reason why. But uh, in terms of kind of 2020, I think one would expect that a year like this would kind of breed a lot of awesome, interesting, heavy music just because of the nature of society's relationship to punk and metal kind of through history. Now, I'd say maybe the last few years when people expected the Trump era to kind of issue in this great age of punk rock music. I mean, I haven't really witnessed that per se. I haven't seen some special relationship through quality of heavy music and and kind of what's been going on politically. But this year, I do feel like for myself as someone who likes a lot of music outside of metal, that I felt like this year, my, my list was really dominated by heavier music this year, which is the first time in a long time. Now, relative to that, the interesting kind of thing is a lot of my favorite albums. And I don't, I didn't look at the exact release dates of my favorite albums of the year versus yours or anything, but I realized like most of my favorite records actually came out earlier this year, which would mean they were from 2019. So my net takeaway is so far, COVID hasn't really caused some great renaissance of heavy metal inspiration yet. I don't know if you'd feel the same way. I don't know. You want to call it the psychosphere that's been created by COVID-19? You know, when will that permeate the kind of style of music or the, the, the content of the music? You know, probably see that next year. You know, usually there's a, a cycle. There's a, a year plus cycle of, of writing and recording and then eventually promoting it. And so a lot of this stuff that we're hearing was set in motion last year. Um, that being said, there are some artists who have taken the opportunity to actually have a really prolific output during this time. The one this brings to mind is, is Taylor a, is Swift. A, is <laughs> uh, close. What I think most people would agree is the ambassador of the New York kind of metal scene is Colin Marston, who runs... Um, a recording studio called Menegroth worldwide, it seems. People are coming to him for production, um, mixing, mastering, uh, engineering of their records. 
but he's also, of course, an extremely accomplished musician and composer. Anyway, this year he has absolutely outdone himself in terms of the sheer numbers of releases. I don't know. I, I haven't really kept count, but it seems like every Bandcamp Friday that's come out, Colin Marson and his 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 contemporaries have have put together a whole new album. Uh, you'll get kind of like a brutal death metal record, uh, a couple of those actually, and then you'll get a, a very doomy sludge record, and then something that's much more in the avant-garde sort of modern classical realm. So he's definitely been taking the opportunity to just completely maximize his output. At least it feels like from outside looking in determined to put out just more stuff than ever. And I, and I understand that with COVID he's running a recording studio in New York, which I'm sure costs a fortune to maintain quality wise. It'll, it'll always be of a certain standard just because I think at this point, you know, this group of musicians, this sort of New York crew by second nature are kind of incapable of writing anything that's rote or uninteresting. Colin Marston has an obvious fondness for Defeated Sanity. Yeah. Uh, produced a record of theirs this year. I think that has permeate, permeated a lot of kind of a lot of this output and what we're hearing. But this also comes back to almost a conversation, which could be an entire topic for another pod, but is how fast music moves now. Like it, his output was almost like that of what you hear, like some up and coming rappers doing, which is like you put out tons of stuff. And that's not to say that, you know, it's, it's poor quality, but you're almost putting out a bunch of stuff, hoping to see which parts of it catch on and which parts don't. And then you can kind of go from there as, as part of also building up like the coverage of Marston from a stereo gum, for example, kind of increases as a result and just from that pure prolific quantity uh, that he put out really it matches that hustle that you see kind of yeah rappers or up-and-coming musicians putting out in order to build a name for themselves and that's that's definitely more common with how fast music goes now too and I don't know if that's us getting a bit older and it just feels that way but it, it does feel like now you don't have that long build up for an album and then you sit with it for a while because there's so much stuff coming out every week to keep up with, especially with how the internet makes you discover more bands than ever before, but you don't get to sit with music in the same way, which actually leads me to a trend I found for myself in 2020, which is I found for the first time in a while, I did sit with some albums more like my list in previous years would be like 50 albums long. And I felt like this year it was a much higher quality, much more affectionate top 20 at the absolute most. I don't know how your list kind of shook out. I know we're only going to talk mostly about our top five here, but I don't know for you if your overall list, because you spent more time at home and you were able to kind of dig into music a bit more consistently, but that's, that's kind of how it felt for me. Yeah, I wonder if I had almost the opposite kind of experience. Makes me realize kind of how how passive a listener I've become. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, you know, the pandemic has forced me to work from home. It's a little iffy for me to roll the dice on going out that much anyway. So I'm pretty much 99% indoors all day. Whereas prior to this, the majority of my of my listening would be kind of interstitial, like in between places, going to work or on yeah, my on way the street car or something like um, that. Exactly. That would be my listening time. And only really because it was convenient and it 
filled up the time. I mean, of course, if there was a band, I, bands that I'm really, really can't wait to hear a record for, and I hear that an album comes out, I'm not going to wait. I'm going to, I'm going to throw that on and, and, and take it in and enjoy it. And that definitely happened this year, but I had to make an effort to actually listen to things because I was lacking that kind of those dead zones where all I could do was listen to music. So I've, I feel like it's been a revelation for me to show, yeah, how passive my, my consumption of music has become and how it is a very much a background thing. And it makes me wonder if I'm, I mean, I do feel that my time when I'm sitting on the bus or the train is, is used well. Um, I am really engaged by it. I am listening, I'm hearing things. I, I, I'm not distracted by other, by other things while I'm listening, but yeah, I mean, my, my list is, is probably about as long as it usually is, but it's taken a lot more of me to actually sit and, and, and listen and, and listen meaningfully. Yeah. And maybe, maybe one thing for me that affected that feeling is I, overall, I felt like this was a very, very strong year for metal and especially death metal. I think death metal, especially as far as mainstream goes in terms of coverage again by like a stereo gum or even pitchfork or more mainstream blogs, you've just seen kind of death metal become in vogue again a little bit. And there's been tons of cool stuff. A lot of 20 bucks spin records they put out, got a lot of attention and deservedly. So uh, the a feather and bone record stuff on profound lore I, I think I would really categorize it as an incredible year for death metal. But one thing for me that I kind of tried to prioritize is choosing like the best of the best of that crop for my years. So maybe that's why I felt like my list, I, I kind of called down my list a lot better than in years past where like, I certainly listened to maybe more music than ever this year, but my list was shorter. And maybe, maybe that's a reason why it's hard to kind of fully identify. No, that's, yeah, I can totally see where you're coming from. And I'm thankful for your list because I, I think I've just become so jaded uh, towards quote unquote artistically elite uh, publications would have you believe is good death metal and is churlish bad death metal. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm a big uh, advocate for the existence of bands like Tomb Mold and Blood Incantation. I think they're good bands but I never connected with them the way that I do other kind of death metal bands that might, I feel like something like Pitchfork would stick their nose up at. Yeah. That being said, I feel like that style, that particular style that I think, you know, Blood Incantation has kind of brought back to the fore really clicked for me this year. And a few items on your list, um, I feel are, 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 are that approach done absolutely right and absolutely compellingly. Yeah, I, I think that, and we'll use this as a segue to start our list, but the, I agree in terms of that style of death metal, especially like kind of that much like we've seen with a lot of indie bands take the eighties, like new wavy Depeche mode, all that kind of stuff sound and kind of bring it back and, and make it great. Ooh. I've kind of seen with metal bands thinking like that late, early to late nineties, maybe early 2000s, but mostly 90s old school death metal and now just making it sound like pristine with great production has become like the thing again, which again, there's been like so much great stuff, but like, or I should say there's been so much good stuff, but how much of it like rose to the top for me as, as like genuinely great is where you really start to see that in at least my top 
I mean, I made a top 11 because I had two albums kind of tied, but we're going to talk about our top five favorite albums each. And I'll let Alex start off with his fifth favorite album of 2020. This whole album is a big sort of mental knot to begin with. And that's why I love it. Uh, Yeah, so my number five pick is uh, Behold the Arctopus's Hapoleptic Overtrove. You know, we were talking about Colin Marston earlier. This is one of his big statements. I think one of the tent poles of his uh, canon of music, Behold the Arctopus's It was my first exposure to him as a composer and musician going on, oh, about 15 years now. So yeah, so uh, Behold the Octopus, they released a record in 2007 called Skull Grid that had its its fair share of of challenging musical ideas, but still kind of had this kind of happy-go-lucky eccentric quality to it, which I feel they kind of drifted away from in their record after that in 2012 called Horror Ascension kind of felt a bit more dangerous and um, antagonistic and willingly offensive. And for that, I love it. I think Horror Ascension is one of the best albums of the last decade. Scary and pummeling and lacking in, in this kind of melodic playfulness. That being said, I think Horror Ascension is, is my favorite Behold the Octopus record. But it I do kind of miss you know, a time when Behold the Octopus, Behold the Octopus weren't really mean, kind of mean with their music. Like they were, they were doing really lush, approachable, melodic things. And, I, and I'm happy to say that uh, Hapoleptic Overtrove is kind of a return to that. And they've gone for, in terms of the rhythm section, especially a uh, much more modern classical or chamber approach. So the drums are no longer uh, heavy on the snare, blast beats and cymbals but instead mallets and almost an orchestral style approach to percussion, which is incredibly fitting, incredibly interesting. Uh, Do I believe that it's an improvement? I think I love um, the previous drummer, Weasel Walter on Horror Ascension. I love just how relentless that drum performance is, but this new drum performance by Jason Bowers, who you may have heard previously in a band called Psyopus, taking it into the chamber sort of modern classical realm has just been this, I think the perfect (laughs) kind of place for Behold the Octopus to go. I certainly met it with skepticism when I heard. I was kind of disappointed because I do do like a traditional, so-called traditional uh, death metal drum performance. I don't find it robotic. I don't find it lacking in nuance, but I do think that their experiment has, has paid off and more than being an experiment, I think that it is a a fully formed work. I, I don't see it as just an attempt. I see it as a, a complete statement. My counterpoint to everything you just said about them is they are unlistenable to me. That's just I, I've just never I've never been able to fully grasp it. And it's it's weird because I like technical metal um, of kind of all shades. And even when you talk about Brutal Prog, that like WYXZ album. I really liked this year. It didn't make my top 10, but it would have probably been in that top 15. I really loved that. So it's not that I don't like stuff that pushes the envelope in terms of technicality, 
But for me, you know, you know me based on other stuff I listen to as well, but I really love like pockets that you can groove to. Um, you can kind of feel out temporarily, at least temporarily, preferably a little bit longer than that, um, which I felt WIXE had because they kind of pulled from, say, some of those more Dillinger-ish places. Mm-hmm. So there are more rhythm, rhythmic ideas to kind of get behind versus I find after one Behold the Octopus song, I, I find it so rare that they they fall into anything that I can personally enjoy from a a rhythm standpoint, from a grasping standpoint, and from, you know, I find them, you're, you call them like pummeling, and I agree, but I think of it more in kind of the the negative way. I don't find like there's the the dynamics to it that I would want. And that's not to say that the musicianship isn't impressive, although it doesn't, it doesn't work for me. It's too one note the whole time, which is funny to say about something that probably has more notes played on it than any album on my list, but it's just so nonstop. It doesn't take any prisoners and all those things can be seen as a good thing. Like you've mentioned, but for me, it just doesn't, it doesn't work at all. I, I, I think, you know, I, I think they prove this idea that nature abhors a vacuum. I think there's a vacuum, a potential vacuum in which what is, what is too much, you know, what, what would be, what, if, if I could imagine complete extremity, complete abstraction uh, in the format of, 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 of metal, I, I feel weird using the term, but I, I mean, I guess that is the lineage that this follows, but, you know, behold the octopus exists because it has to, I guess that's right. kind of a douchey way of putting it, but there, there has to be a, because I can imagine it, because I can say there, there must be something that is that complex, that is that busy, that is that abstract. Something needs to fill that void. And that is, Behold the Octopus is the band that does it. You know, I don't think they, there, there, there isn't a band that really surpasses them in terms of that execution. And they, they derive as much notoriety from that. You know, there's a YouTube video called the worst band in the world. <laughs> and it's uh, I, I made that video. <laughs> it, it's it's a playthrough, and this is from their first. Uh, this is a playthrough of their song from one of their first few um, releases. It's lacking a drum track, and and it is hilarious. It, it's it's the song Alcoholicost, which which is itself a great song. But yeah, you can you can you can acknowledge the kind of inherent absurdity. I mean, especially the the uh, Mike Lerner, the guitarist. He's 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 playing this sort of neon yellow Ibanez guitar. And Colin Marston is playing this uh, war guitar, which is which is this massive, almost cartoonish looking instrument. The thing is just a monstrosity. Yeah, just imagine like a, a mutated Chapman stick. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I get it, but I, 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 I love that. I love that they are, quote, the worst band in the world. It just so happens that I see a lot of sort of legitimate emotional merit to a lot of their composition. I, I don't think it's just, oh, this is hilarious. Let me listen to it. I do think there's like emotional weight to a lot of these musical ideas. I feel like I go places mentally when I listen to this, but yeah, I, 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 I see what you're saying. You know, I, uh, it's kind of reminds me of the movie, Holy Motors, the, Le- the Leos Carax movie where it's, I, 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 a friend of mine said that is the worst movie I've ever seen. I said it was the best movie the last decade and I completely see where he's coming from. Right. Um, for one thing to exist at one extreme for someone means it probably has to exist at the complete opposite extreme for someone else. For sure. 
to their credit, I, I will have to back them up and say there are a lot of moments on this new record where there is a lot of consonants. There's a lot of um, harmonic ideas that, that gel together quite nicely and, and, and pretty, pretty that, that, that I do find are moving in a strange way. Dreamlike, um, tap, into, tap into something that, that's kind of vulnerable. It's not just pure abstraction and chaos. My fifth favorite album of the year and it was when i started putting together this list i almost forgot how much i loved it at the time because i played the hell out of it so quickly that i didn't return to it kind of for a while until recently and that was shadow of life by umbra vite and and that was uh speaking of classic rock band known as converge um jacob bannon but it's him basically fronting the red chord essentially who was one of my favorite bands of, of kind of the early to mid two thousands. And I think um, Alec, you'd feel similarly about kind of at least the red chords impact on kind of, you know, death core at the time, their version of death core was more true to kind of what the idea of death core should be, which is death metal riffs and kind of hardcore breakdowns and D beats. And that combination of, you know, gun faces riffs, and Bannon's vocals for me just it felt like it was made in a lab for my kind of interests and it sounds exactly like the members of the band that make it up and I mean that in kind of the best way possible it's uh it's just got non-stop catchy awesome riffs uh, you know as I was speaking about rhythms in relation to behold the octopus here I just find like the rhythms and the the pockets you get to headbang to and enjoy it uh it really it really is like my favorite converge related record, or it almost feels like the converge I wish kind of came out the last couple albums since kind of acts to fall. I've, I've felt like the last two converge records have not stuck with me meaningfully in kind of any way. So this is kind of my favorite Bannon slash converge related project in, in a really long time. And, and I know he had that other one, uh, which the name's blank blood can't remember but the one he where did your, where your wounds no no he did he released another album this year with uh some guys from like napalm death and nasum or something like that but it was very like more straightforward i'm gonna be probably getting a lot of the people wrong in the band but it's the other band in project that a lot of people liked more than umbra vite but it this album just worked for me it just was kind of everything I've been waiting to hear. I've been waiting to hear kind of a band bring back the red chord sound and it kind of took literally the guitars of the red chord to do so. So it it's my fifth favorite record of the year. Um, it probably was even higher at one point. Some other stuff I've discovered since then has kind of, you know, jumped ahead, but I still think it's a great record and a really fun, heavy record to listen to. Yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big red chord guy. This one... Uh, I'm a big fan of as well. I don't know. It, I, I feel like it 
it was great. It was great on a first listen and it gave away all surprises. And I've gone back and I, I do enjoy, I, I enjoy it for the mood that it sets. Like I just like a straight up brutal album with a punk mentality, which yeah. this has. I got it in one and it was great. And I kind of put it aside, but it is a quality piece of metallic hardcore into the also straying into the death metal world. It, it's doing what Redcore did best, like you said. Yeah. And it's cool to, to, it's cool to have Bannon kind of spread his wings a bit again. Converge is, is his most important statement. I think everyone would agree. He is maybe the most iconic front man in the genre. I think without question, yeah. But for him to, but we've never heard him like this. And we've never heard him in something that was sort of shed of capital I important music. Converge always feels like a gallery piece, despite being like really aggressive hardcore. The artistic standard to which we'll measure, you know, aggressive releases on. So for him to just get nasty and get brutal and tear it up on really meat and potatoes, but incredibly well-written death metal and hardcore. I mean, that feels cool in its own way. Yeah. But yeah. And that's interesting. And I think the, the one thing you said that is I, and maybe this is why for a bit, I kind of, when I played it out so quickly or played, you know, listened to it too many times too quickly is you're talking about like the no surprises thing or giving away all its surprises. I do. I can't really argue with that. I just found that what it still had after those surprises were gone. I still, still really like when I listen to it now. Uh, one thing to correct myself is the other project I was thinking of was Blood from the Soul, uh, which was another project he did with the bassist of Napalm Death. And it was like a a band that originally started in like 1993. And it's now been kind of brought back to life with Bannon as as vocalist. And that was another, that's another album where you hear Bannon try and do, I shouldn't say try and do, he succeeds at doing something quite different, a lot more subdued within the realm of his capabilities. Uh, with that correction of myself, I will ask Alec to now tell us about his fourth favorite record of the year. Number four for me is from a band called Exist, their new album, Egoista. Uh, Exist is a progressive metal band. Uh, I'll call them a progressive death metal band, but I think they've expanded their horizon enough where calling them death metal might be, you know, only yeah, death it feels metal a bit of a, a tricky. Yeah, it feels like a bit of a stretch for the new album, which I really like, but I wouldn't call it progressive death metal. To its credit, I think it, it it's better for that. So... Exist is cool. Exist Exist has ties to some like really legit uh, other strains. Foremost is Cynic, the the mastermind behind Exist. He, he was a part of. He was the vocalist on. Defe- you know, we're talking about defeated sanity so much. I wonder if there's a reason for that. He was the vocalist on spoiler defeated alert. sanity's last. Spoiler. They might appear again. Yeah. Um, their last, their 2016 record, um, where they where they did a kind of a 90s progressive death metal, and by that I mean you know picture your 
your pestilences and atheists and cynics and death, that style of uh, early 90s progressive death metal, that Florida death metal style. Uh, they did a kind of send up of that. And he was the vocalist. And he, he sounds like a he sounds like a perfect early 90s death metal guy. And so exist exist is cool because it's I love that that uh, Defeated Sanity album as different as it was for them. I, I really love the throwback to that 90s sound because I'm a huge Cynic fan. Exist is, 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 is a full album of that every time they release a new record. So, uh, and this one's no different. It's a bit more expansive. Melodically, it's, it's, uh, it's gorgeous. Yeah, that's its greatest strength. I was listening to it again today and it's like, yeah, the melodies, the vocals are fantastic like that's really it's kind of calling card and i think that's why i also mentioned the like it's kind of like cynic for me like i know that cynic is considered kind of death metal or death metal adjacent but i would never call cynic kind of like death metal and that's the same reason for with exist is the the style of vocals and the melodies are so not rooted in death metal most of the time you know if anything they're probably more similar to how the Dillinger Escape Plan approaches melody, which is a little bit leaning towards the theatrical. Yes. And especially Greg Pucciato, the vocalist of Dillinger Escape Plan. I can see a kind of a shared approach there. I wouldn't be surprised if, if he was an influence on how Exist approaches kind of their more uh, like operatic parts. Like over but, the top, but in a good, good way. Like not yeah. obnoxiously over the top, like over the top to kind of create even more contrast and and stuff between heavier moments and those more melodic moments you know that's kind of what i really like about it absolutely and 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 look i'm not saying you're you're going to hear notes and melodies and, and and harmonies you've never heard before but there is a, a very very uh, singular to them approach a way that they approach their, their chord voicings and especially how he constructs solos, uh, guitar solos, which fall into that very recognizable Alan Holdsworthy kind of fusion-y style. But it's just done so, so meticulously. And the songwriting is superb. I should also mention um, there, there was an album, I think you were a big fan of Logan uh, from a band called Sater. Yes, um, that album's they great. Play, yeah, they, that came out this year. They play a kind of a Fall of Troy type kind of, proggy math core screamo kind of thing that that we haven't heard for a while i think um anyway their drummer is is, is the drummer on this exist record which is cool because it it just it just goes to show you like yeah th this is a band that's pulling from a lot of different places not just your kind of elite death metal background it's, it's definitely got its its influences in a lot of other uh bands and, and styles yeah, and I mean, one thing to kind of note with the Cynic comparisons is like RIP to both Sean Malone and Sean Reinhardt. That was, those were both, I mean, Sean Malone was recent, but Sean Reinhardt was also at the beginning of 2020. So it's, um, you know, it's sad, but also cool in a way like for a band like Exist to kind of, you know, draw those, draw those similarities. And for that cynic legacy, cynic was so far ahead. I mean, it felt like that with cynic and atheists and stuff. They were so far ahead of the sound at the time. You've heard so many, so few bands even sound or to do that sound as well in the last, you know, 25 years. So it's cool to have kind of a band like exist around continuing some of those, uh, some of those 
things that they that cynic were were doing forever ago and in doing so in an actually like very good way not just not just doing the same sound to copy it but doing their own thing with it it's that um's yeah that um's really nice well not sounding like a 90s band yeah Um, yeah like like exist yeah it it stems from you know it's it's easy to say yeah they kind of sound like cynic and that defeated sanity album we were talking about like yeah, that, that was designed to sound like it was recorded and written in the early 90s. I don't think this Exist record sounds like a 90s album. No. Which is cool. It sounds cutting edge. It sounds modern. But yeah, you can you can see the lineage, but uh, it's it's also on the forefront as well. So Yeah, and I'll, I'll get into my fourth album in just one sec. I will say there are some elements of the Exist record that actually reminded me as I was listening today of some of the melodic stylings of uh between the barrier to me as well like they have some of those kind of the the way they compose guitars and softer moments and melodies kind of remind me of like some of the build-ups in like a white walls uh things like that which is kind of an interesting element to what they bring as well yeah definitely a similar approach to progressive metal uh that between the barrier to me does in that between the buried me is, is, is totally cool with getting really brutal, which kind of keeps, keeps BT BAM still interesting to this day. I know that we kind of are up and down on each record they release, you know, one will really capture us. One won't quite do it for us, but I still think they're relevant today. And I think exist definitely capitalize on that too, where exist can get brutal, uh, but they also have a really mature and accomplished approach to um, creating dynamics and, and melody as well. My fourth favorite album of the year, and it, it continues from Alex Trend of more melody. And his fourth favorite is the Emma Ruth Rundle and Thou uh, collaborative record, May Our Chambers Be Full. I absolutely adore this record. Um, I think the combination of them is amazing. I'm a bit biased because I've always loved Thou. They've been the one kind of sludgy metal band that I've uh, genuinely appreciated and I feel always bring like quality like on records like Heathen they've always been really really great um, and the combination of them and, and Emma Ruth Rundle whose voice I've always appreciated I haven't consistently been able to get into her records you know certain things here and there have have been great but overall she hasn't always done it for me, but I've always loved her voice. And I think the contrast that her voice brings to the, the background music of, of Thou, and this isn't Thou going as heavy as they normally would in spots maybe, but that contrast that they, they find is so, is so powerful. And I knew it was going to be a great collaboration when I heard the idea of it but it really kind of surpassed those expectations. It comes together so, so amazingly well. It actually, for me, scratches the itch that I think a lot of people got excited about, like the new Deftones album this year. 
I think that's a like a, maybe a weird comparison to make, but for me, the Deftones have always done that, you know, great melody, Chino's vocals, really, really powerful and memorable uh, harmonies and ideas, or I should say melodies and ideas over top of heavier kind of down-tuned seven-string guitar riffs and, and drums and more simplistic, but really beat down kind of drums. And, and I really get that out of this record. It's just so heavy. The melody is so thoughtful. And I just, I personally love when, when music this heavy has hooks and gets stuck in my head. And I find every time I listen to it, I'm, I'm excited to hear like that, that vocal melody or for it to transition into that more hook based or chorusy riff I just think this album's awesome. And now they have a, a kind of additional EP coming out in January that I'm excited to to hear as well. But yeah, this album, I just really, really loved. Yeah, it's it's a great, it's a fantastic record. I, I feel vindicated too, because I, when I was listening to it, when it came out, I just got this overwhelming feeling of Pacific Northwest grunge from the late 80s, 90s, yeah. early 90s. And uh and I thought, you know, I probably am onto something there because I've seen Thou cover a shitload of. Well, they did a whole song, Nirvana. You know? Didn't they do a whole yeah. Nirvana cover album? Yeah, like they, it's obviously in their craw. It, it's and it's kind of cool to trace, connect the dots between what Nirvana was doing and what Thou would eventually be doing because you can't you can see it. You can't, and it's cool to 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 take the journey. And sure enough, in the liner notes for this release, they do mention that this engaged with that style of music that, that I grew up with, you grew up with. I think most of us in our generation probably, if they didn't connect with it, they're at least rubbed up against it in some way. But, you know, it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound like exist. It doesn't sound old fashioned. It doesn't sound uh, like a throwback, right? Yeah, not at all. And I think, yeah, it is an interesting comparison. And I mean, Thou were actually, as speaking of, you know, the Colin Marston prolificness earlier, Thou this year, I, I don't know how many releases they they ended up having, but they released a bunch of stuff, it feels like, this year as well. Because, yeah, their Nirvana cover album, this, and I feel like they released another, like, B-sides kind of thing as well, if I'm not mistaken. And they also put up a lot of their stuff for free. So next Bandcamp Friday... Uh, if you're looking for a band of support who puts out quality stuff all the time, you can get their stuff for even as low as like a buck, but at least that whole buck will go to them. I'm a big Summit fan. That's that's my favorite Thou record. And I do like Heathen. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of that record too, but I felt like after Thou, there were a lot of bands that started doing what they were doing. Not that Thou was the first, but I think they definitely set a a milestone with summit and I've been waiting for thou to kind of reclaim the throne <laughs> given that they were the, the progenitors I think of this current crop of, of really big sounding doom sludgy type bands and I think this is the first time of since summit I've heard where I'm like this is the size this is the expansiveness that I've been waiting for massive drums massive guitars the, the, this is kind of a return to summit for me, which is really exciting. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, Summit came out in 2010 now, so it's been 10 years. And then Heathen came out a few years later, I think four years later. So they took time there. But I think you're right. Like since 2014, they released Magus, uh, what, 
two years ago, three years ago. And I guess as yeah. So as a result, you're kind of right. Like it's been six years and I know they've released a lot of like EPs and collaborative things and kind of keeping their foot on the gas, but in interesting ways instead of full lengths. Um, But they haven't made that big statement like you're saying since 2014, whether you consider heathen or summit, but I think those two kind of hold kind of the, the rank as like their best two, obviously. So it's been six years. So it it does feel like we've been waiting a while for this kind of return to form, even though it sounds different than what they were doing. Absolutely. And, and also like you're saying, Emma Ruth Rundle, incredible musician, visionary musician. Yeah. She, she obviously makes this come to life. Uh, I hope she joins now. Like I don't, I don't want to go back. Yeah. Yeah. So just quality across the board there. My number three pick is uh, from a band called Asatis and their album False Peace. Asatis is a, a band I, I only heard about for the first time this year. And this is a massive album. It, it, it reminds me of uh, a band, not necessarily musically, but in terms of approach and scope, a band called Name. Yeah, it's interesting you went to name because I find so much of their music in a weird way reminds me of like Ion Dissonance. But that's what's weird is like you hear Ion Dissonance, I don't hear it at all. But like I I, I 100% concede that they do sound like Ion Dissonance, even though that I never made that connection, you know? Yeah. Because they they, they are really hard to pin down. It, it's really tricky to pick a genre for them. I, I guess most obviously, you know, we've been talking about death metal a lot, but they do engage with death metal primarily. And by that, I mean... There are blast beats, there are guttural vocals, there's a very atonal and, uh, you know, nihilistic approach to, to composition and melody and uh, a discordant quality to it. I, I do think there's a lot of consonants and a lot of really kind of up, uplifting is the wrong word, but just the feeling of being lifted is, is in a lot of these uh, melodies. You don't necessarily feel good about it, but you, you definitely feel moved. It's moving. Maybe I should say that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's all over. The, the songs are long. They, they go a lot of places and there's a lot of diversity on the record, but I think it's, it's what makes it special is, is the integrity of it. Like it, 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 it goes in with complete dedication to what it's trying to do. Uh, it's very scary and it doesn't, kind of cheapen it with a lot of the the tricks that we're used to i think it goes all in on being a, a monumental difficult yeah <laughs> in, in essence it's 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 a fucked up piece of work man like it's 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 a really fucked up album and it, it goes all in on that it's it's i would say so it it was just outside my top five and it could be one of those albums that in the future of like albums that last and I go back to from this year because I always find that several years later you start to actually see what albums you really genuinely loved. It will probably be one of those, hard to predict. But the thing about it, yeah, is it's impossible to characterize. I I know I made the Ion Distance comparison, and I and I definitely understand the name 
comparison, but I, I don't know if I've ever heard anything that quite sounds like them. They, you know, where all the influences are from or, or what the genres are that they're touching upon, but what they do is, is so unique. And especially when, you know, it's an 11 track album, it's like an hour and 10 minutes long, but of those hour and 10 minutes, 40 of those minutes are on three tracks. It's right. just, it's such a, it's such an interest. Like it's interesting in every possible way, the sound of it, where they kind of came out of nowhere to have this album then put out by translation loss to the way like the shorter songs are some of the heaviest, most punky death metal breakdown, heavy songs you've heard. And then they have these long expansive pieces. One of the songs is like 16 minutes. Another one's 10 minutes. Another one's like 12, something like that. It's just interesting in every possible way. And, and again, I think that's the diversity on the record. Uh, it's sequenced it, like brilliantly, which, which matters to me. I do like to listen to records from start to finish. And, me too. And the way something is, is yeah, I, I, think, I think most people who would be listening to this would, would probably agree. And, and, and I don't think it's, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a concept record. I mean, maybe it is to the band, but, but it is a complete work. Like it is of a whole. We were, you know, we were talking about Converge before making these very uh, important albums. And this, this has a kind of feeling of, of that, uh, but also like Converge, you're, you are kind of unapologetically just mean mugging at some of these dank- Oh, it's nasty. Dirty breakdowns, yeah, you know? It's nasty. It, it, I've heard them compared to Ulcerate, which again makes sense, though I don't necessarily hear it myself. Ulcerate is is like that, uh, but you know, but in serious. spots, that's what's so interesting about the album to me is like, yeah, I understand the Ulcerate comparison, and even my Ion Dissonance comparison isn't like the whole record. It's just there are riffs and sections where I'm like, oh, that sounds like Ion Dissonance, and I get that with Ulcerate too, but it's not like if someone was like, oh, recommend this for like like recommended if you like X band, I wouldn't say ulcerate. Like, I don't think that as a band, they sound like that. It's an attempt to try and describe what this is. And, and don't get me wrong. If you've never heard this band and based on what we're describing, you're expecting this thing. You've never, like, you'll hear this and you'll be like, yeah, I've heard something like this before. Uh, th this isn't, this isn't new territory. Right. But there's just something about the execution as a whole, which, yeah. which just feels really special and, and really unique. Yeah, I think it will also, when you're hearing this pod, we're going to have sl spliced in like one of the breakdowns or one of the sections. And you'll, uh, like Alex saying, yeah, you've probably heard similar-ish things to that. But when you hear the album as a whole, it, it really, like, I don't even know what, I, I know I said this, but I don't know what genre you'd call it. I guess the closest thing is technical death metal. But even that is like, they don't sound like, like medley, medley technical death metal. It's just... It doesn't uh, sound too clean, right? It doesn't, yeah. it, it has, it still has, it, it, this isn't to talk, you know, to, to the, the accuracy of the performance is on point. This isn't like sloppy in any way, shape or form, but it isn't that like clinical, really overdubbed style of, of kind of antiseptic technical death metal. Yeah. Which, which, which I, which I am a fan of I'm not trying to denigrate that, but you know, this is really tight, but it does have a, it does have a very a kind of organic rough around the edges quality to it, which uh, yeah enhances its mood for sure. Awesome record. I listened to it again. I think yesterday, once I saw how high up on your list it was, I know it just, it was a bit lower on mine, but it's, uh, 
it's something special that I don't know if tons of people heard. So it would be one of those that I would recommend to kind of anyone for things. And I haven't seen it on anybody's, I mean, a lot of our stuff, actually, I haven't seen as highly rated on other people's lists in, in metal, metal circles, which, you know, whatever, but I didn't see the Asaitis one mentioned and it's like, man, I don't know that record I think will stand kind of the test of time a little bit. Um, Classic potential for sure. Yeah. So my number three um, in a similar, similar ish kind of vein, I mean, both albums came out like one week after another. So I was listening to them mm-hmm. at like the same time is uh, the Theatis album shrines to absurdity. Uh, this album is, I think to what defeated sanity is to a lot of people, including Alec. Uh, that's what this album is for me. It's like defeated sanity and suffocation and gore guts kind of all blended together but for me it's just way more listenable and enjoyable than like a defeated sanity you know it is it's it's definitely brutal and the vocals are brutal death metal vocals um but it's it's so technical and it has that dissonance to it and it has so many things going on i just find it constantly interesting it it keeps me on my toes but still so groovy which means i can kind of headbang you know they're a group from from new york that's released an ep and some stuff here so this is their like first kind of album like their actual debut album and it has all those new york influences but into something that's decidedly its own it just this is another album that i think i mean i think my top three for sure but this is an album i think i'll keep coming back to because even though it it is obviously influenced by the aforementioned bands of defeated sanity, suffocation, gore guts. It's its own thing. Um, I, I just, yeah, I, I love it. And I know I kept pushing it on you this year. And, and just because I felt like if you were a defeated sanity fan, there's no way you couldn't love this. And then in my head also think it was better, but yeah, I, I can't, uh, I've loved this album since it dropped, I think in June, I just can't, I can't listen to it enough. Yeah, no, I, I'm a fan. I am a fan. To me, it's like the, the New York album. Yeah. Full stop. Quintessential uh, New York. Uh, and yet I, I don't feel like it's Suffo worship in the slightest. It, it, it does, like you said, it, it's, it's definitely its own thing. It's spiritually that New York brutal death metal sound to a T. Uh, and I'm, I'm in full support of it. If it's, if it's not higher on my list, it's because I think what I look for in this now, I, again, like we've been bringing up defeated sanity a lot. I, I've been a bit spoiled by them and not just defeated sanity, but defeated sanity's contemporaries, which I, I would compare Theatis to artificial. Did I say artificial? I said artificial brain, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Artificial brain. Uh, I, I've just come to expect, I don't know, a little bit of a something, a bit, a bit of a spiciness. I don't know how else to put it from this type of music. And when I don't get that spiciness, when I get that kind of, you know, down to the brass tacks, slamming, grooving, brutal death metal, I feel like I'm missing something. Yeah, that's interesting. And I mean, I, I know what you, you, 
you're saying about an artificial brain. And I, I meant to bring this up with Ex- exist. Cause I feel like exists album cover. When you see the album cover, that's exactly what it sounds like. I think mm-hmm. it's the same with like artificial brain. They have this kind of, and I don't know if it's just cause simply cause of the vocals, but they have that like on that cover of labyrinth constellation, the like robot, like yeah. overlord, like the robots are taking over and murdering people or how, whatever it is like that somehow is what the music sounds like, even though it's death metal, it has this kind of feeling to it. And I think it might solely be in the vocal delivery, but that makes it a little bit kind of unique and edgy. And, and I guess I can see how that's missing from a, from shrines to absurdity, but it just did what it was trying to do so perfectly that I can't, uh, I can't hate for being like, Oh, I wish it had that kind of X factor that, as you said, spiciness, that extra little, little thing to it. I just don't think it needs it. It shouldn't be. Yeah. It shouldn't, it shouldn't arbitrarily shoehorn in a kind of little quirk uh, to, to, to differentiate it being, and look, I feel like I'm selling it a little short here. I'm not saying it's not introducing anything new. I'm not saying it's rote or, or uh, what's the word um, derivative. I don't believe that at all. What, what I, I think what I'm kind of criticizing it for, or maybe what I'm giving the appearance of criticizing it for are things I actually kind of like about it. I like that these blast beats, they are very suffocation-y type blast beats, but you know, blast beats have become so kind of um, almost like grace notes, almost like accents because they're really fast and they they feel almost like they're ghosted sometimes like this really kind of They lack power and rhythm. They lack power and rhythm, you know, like remember when, uh, I mean, we're going to go back to a Dillinger comparison, but remember when, who was the drummer that joined them for Ironworks? Oh, Sharon. Yeah. Remember when he joined and we were like, look, I've always loved Dillinger's drumming, but he brings this like rhythm to it, this almost danciness in a funny way. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of the same with a lot of blast beats. Like it's just like they're just hitting really trying to hit as fast as possible. And as a result, there's no feeling to it. There's no power or oomph. And there is that in this record. Yeah, like when when the dude hits, or I don't know if it's a dude, whoever it is is hitting the uh, the snare. It's full power, you know. It, yeah. It's it's just bashing you, and 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 appropriate for this. Uh, it's it's super meathead. It's super slant. It's you know it's like Discourge, and I I fucking love Discourge, man. And I, I think the only thing that is just keeping it, I, I'm going to revisit it after this talk because I think it has been a bit of a blind spot for me. Because my salesmanship into, is so good. Well, yeah. I mean, I like to think that's 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 the the cool thing about this format we're doing is I'm like, oh yeah, I, I want to go back and really dig into that that Thal record again. Like, I'm stoked to do that. And there's a few albums on your list upcoming that I'm also really stoked to get into too. But yeah, well, that's a good segue into your number two. We're in the top two for each of us. So, what's your second favorite album of the year? a good talk on this one so this is this is kralis and their album mass cathexis goes without saying logan and i are are just huge huge 
Corrales fans. <laughs> Absolutely. I, th- I don't know, Logan, I don't know if we came to a consensus on this, but when we were kind of chatting about our favorite records of the decade, that was the last decade, I think yeah. we agreed that it was a Corrales record that took number one and that was Yig Her. Yeah. I think that's, it's, it's one or two between like that and, you know, parallax too i feel like those are the top two for me and depending on what day you ask me but that cross record i think has to be in the conversation without a doubt yeah this this is the new Kraus record you don't really except for her except for that album you you don't really have to wait for Kraus. they'll pretty reliably release something at least once a year and they announce it like like this didn't they announce it like one week ahead or a day ahead this year or something it was like, like that. It was super quick. This record is uh, is special for a few reasons. So Corrales has it's a it's a band of four, and the strings section, so that the two guitarists and the bass player will, I guess what they what they term initiate a song. So what I take from that is they'll you know there'll be a primary songwriter who kind of comes up with the the seed at least, and then the other folks will bring what they have to it, but across their, their body of work, you, you can, you kind of start to look for like the little idiosyncrasies that, that that'll give a hint as to who is uh, initiating uh, a given song. Over time, I think I, I gravitate the most to uh, Mick Barr. You know, I, I think his, his approach is the one where I, I, I usually, if there's a Kralis song that's really hitting me, really tapping into something for me more often than not it's it's one that he's kind of initiated who predominantly um, the, wrote uh her it was bookended by nick mcmaster the bassist so he did the opening track and the final track the uh the second track i believe is colin marston i'm just curious yeah. to hear because to hear what songs you gravitate towards because i can't remember all the specific writing credits but what songs you gravitate towards or or what sound overall because kraus is kind of you know, as time has gone on, like dimensional bleed through and, and those kind of records and, and years, uh, years past matter. That's for the name, right? Uh, yeah. Years past matter. Yeah. yeah. Sounds so different than this album, mask of Texas and, uh, her, like they sound like, you know, it's the same band. Cause there's, there are little tells, but they it sounds so drastically different yeah maybe maybe i should zoom out a bit so so in in uh 2007 or yeah, i'm pretty sure 2007 Kralis released their first full-length record which was a very colin marston and very mick Barr approach to i guess i don't know second wave black metal yeah i'd say so it's a pretty good description uh, ethereal kind of dreamy uh black metal that that was a little bit more busy than your other us bm bands at the time like wolves in the throne room weakling <laughs> let's let's not shorten it to bm <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's not let's not do I'll that i'll do you that favor yeah um <laughs> uh so they, they you know i think most people would at the time they were in the same conversation of those bands at least it seemed that way to me um but yeah bringing bringing more of that kind of technical very noty, very arranged feeling, which which I gravitated towards. And they did about f- four records in that style of these expansive, you know, more often than not, 10 minute plus songs that went a lot of places, but had a pretty consistent pulse. 
repetition of ideas and development of ideas over longer periods of time. And then there was a three year break after those four records. And they released a, an incredibly dense, much in the same vein as what we're talking about with Behold the Octopus, a very extreme and at times abstracted approach, uh, rhythmically, melodically with this album, Ecur. And, it, and it, it, it sounded like, yeah, okay, this is, this is these guys, this is their sensibility, a little less affected by this attempt to do the second wave black metal thing. Right. It just sounded like a band with Colin Marston, Mick Barr, Nick McMaster, and Lev Weinstein. It wasn't like, oh, this is this is their black metal band. No, it just sounded like the band that those four would produce, regardless of genre. Yeah, like I categorize it as like technical black metal. Uh, but like you're saying, like it just, it's interesting that you brought up the Behold the Octopus kind of influence, considering how little I really like them, but how much I love that Kralis album. But I think what... And I think Mask of Access continues it. But what they've kind of tapped into for me is they have riffs and ideas that are so somehow so catchy while being so technical. Like their riffs, you can listen to an album one time and it, it's similar with this one, but especially for me, um, and I'm just, I'm butchering the pronunciation every single time, Ig Her. Uh, but every time... I listen to it like the riffs and everything pop right back into my head because of how catchy they are. That's what's been so mind blowing to me is an album that filled with ideas and rhythms and technicality and no idea what time signature it's in. And yet it's so catchy. And that I find the the new record like that too. Yeah. Ma- Ma- Mask of Texas follows in the tradition of the post her post-2015 Kralis reinvention. I mean, I'm not going to split hairs on, oh, is it better? Is it be-? Like, I, I don't really care. I mean, every Kralis release is, is special as a reason to celebrate. So whatever. Uh, it doesn't really matter if, if I find it better or worse. It, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely sits alongside of it, alongside it in terms of quality and execution. E- each person has a voice within the band that comes together to form this and, and it's a testament to how well it comes together because I, ha- I'm not entirely sure, uh, which is cool. It, it all, it all melts together into this consistent thing, but this is the first record that is majority Nick McMaster arranging. Uh, so the, the bassist and his approach, you know, what he brings to Corrales is usually a lot more of the, of the kind of, what I, you know, I'll call like the psychedelic psychotropic kind of quality of the band emotionally vague like you're not sure exactly which which feeling you're experiencing (laughs) you're forced to ask that question but you do feel you do feel affected and your 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 perception does feel kind of affected does feel kind of like a drug trip the approach that he takes and and this i'm not trying to say like oh it's like the doors and there's like reverby guitars and shit like that and like weird kind of lydian type (laughs) scales and stuff not at all it's just this very when I say dream, I mean, it could, it could turn into a nightmare, but it's always an interesting, compelling nightmare, you know? I think for this record, it was, it was just outside of my top five. And it's interesting that you're like saying how you don't care if it's better or worse than um, previous albums. For me, I, really what it came down to, and it's so unfair, is just, I ex- this is like an album I just expect from them now. 
and like it's super it's super good but because i guess it didn't surprise me it kind of docked it down my list a little bit because i just expected it to be this good if if this was the first kralis album i was hearing and it was and i had heard it this year it would probably be number one on my list because it is super good it does everything that i would want it to but it just i this is the album i kind of expected to hear like it's it's great. It continues a lot of the things I love from uh, Yig Her. So, also, I'm pronouncing it e- different every single time so that at least one, one of the pronunciations of, one of them will be right. right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> the odds are good that one will be correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but to, to be fair, every, every record for them has a moment which really catches me off guard in, in a really good way. This one... there's kind of an ex if if there is an expectation I have from Kralis it's that I want to feel like I'm going to another plane and that sounds really hippy dippy but I have my own headcanon about what the what the discography of Kralis is as a whole uh this hasn't been confirmed by any of the members in fact I think I asked Colin Marston about it on a forum and you know he was nice about it, but I don't think he confirmed one way or another. But this I, is the, I feel this like is the nerdiest th- setup for whatever you're about to talk about possible. Yeah. And I know what you're going to talk about, so it makes it extra nerdy. I just see each record, and a little bit of it is from the lyrics, a little bit of it is from the you know the, the actual quality of the music itself, the, the artwork on the album cover. But each each record feels like a, a plane, a kind of a terrestrial plane. And that's a very black metal thing. No, black metal is about feeling like you're in the woods. You're in a hyperborean forest. That, that's that's the appeal. I want to smell the rain when I listen to a black metal record, right? Again, I have my headcanon about, okay, so this is where we, th- this is about the sky. This is about being in, in the air. This is about, you know, this is about ascending. This is what this, you know, diff- different planes of consciousness and, and, and experience. Anyway, mass I might be totally wrong, but to me, this feels very interior to the mind. I feel like this is a record about like mental state going inward, explore. If, if every record is an exploration of a space, I feel like Mass Cathex is, is an exploration of, of the mind, of, 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 of the interior mental space. That, I think that's perfect territory for Kralis, which already is kind of making me go on a trip every time I listen to it, right? It is a tremendous record. It's kind of like with stuff you've said about some of mine. I'm not, I wasn't trying to denigrate it in any way. It just... I expected it. And that's really unfair to like dock a record for that. But based on like what my number two, which I'm about to kind of talk about and my number one are like both these albums really surprised me. And, you know, long-term that may be a thing that I don't come back to these albums as much five years down the line. But for right now, you know, Kraus just sits at like, I think it was my sixth favorite kind of of the year, just for the reason that it was kind of, kind of expected. With that, my second favorite album of the year and one that really surprised me, especially given how much throwback death metal there is this year, was uh, Void Ceremonies and Tropic Reflections Continuum, colon, Dimensional Unravel. I mean, you want to talk about planes and the, the Dimensional Unravel is in the title. 
So, well, at least you can pronounce it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I almost, I almost slipped up. There's too many words. Uh, but you know, there's, there was tons and tons of that throwback style death metal this year. And this was one of the many albums that came out on uh, 20 bucks spin. The thing about this album that made it stand above the rest of, of the, I'll say the albums that played the throwback death metal thing, maybe a little more safely is this one has like a fret uh, bass player playing, playing fretless bass. And as a result, there's a lot of proggy kind of elements going on that really remind me of there's a difference here. It reminds me of like death metal prog, not progressive death metal. Like it doesn't get into the way yeah. of like really grandiose, you know, five minute long sections of solos and stuff like that and venturing all over the place. I just mean it's death metal versions of some proggy ideas, especially with the bass playing. Uh, the bass playing is amazing. It's rare to hear kind of a, you know, it's kind of, it has a little bit of bare bones production. It's kind of grimy sounding a little bit. There's nothing like the riffs are awesome, but you're not hearing like guitar solos and drum playing that you go, Whoa, this is like blowing my mind. But the bass playing is so fantastic. And that's so rare to hear in a band like this, especially on a, with all the other kind of throwback death metal that came out on like 20 bucks spin this year, which all had more of that grimy death metal influence. This had that, but then just took it into places that I never expected to hear. And for that, and it was underratedly technical. Like it has a lot of technical ideas going on with it that I wouldn't call it a technical death metal album or anything like that, but it just has so much kind of going on. It was constantly interesting. Each time I listen to it now, it's just so much of that is the bass playing, but I also found the riff writing to be a lot more unique than a lot of the other throwback death metal. It doesn't sound like the title of the album. I won't say that. It doesn't have that feeling of dimensional unravel necessarily, but it it just really, it hits kind of everything I want to hear into an album that I can listen to consistently and enjoy and still find things to kind of surprise me. If you're listening with good headphones, you can really hear the bass doing some cool things. So yeah, I, this album was a complete surprise to me and really, really unique among the wave of death metal this year. Like impeccable production, maybe the best sounding record of the year. Yeah. And, but like best sounding, not cause it was like finely tuned in terms of like getting people to play everything perfect to like a click track it's just perfect sounding for what it is it perfectly the sound of it the production perfectly matches the album i think i mentioned this a bit earlier but in in terms of this i don't know what you want to call it a revival renaissance of so-called old school death metal again whatever that means i guess stuff that kind of sounds like cannibal corpse i don't know doesn't sound like death except for the kind of the Steve DiGiorgio style fretless you're talking about. Yeah. And I'm happy people are giving a shit about not just like super flashy death metal, but just like good, well-written, just, just the, how good a, a riff can be. But this, this is the first album I think of that type that I, I've really connected with. So yeah, I'm a huge fan of it. Anyway, my number one.
drum roll. Blast beat drum roll. (laughs) The album actually kind of starts with a drum roll of a sort. Defeated Sanity, uh, the sanguinary impetus. What a surprise. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've already talked about it for most of the podcast. (laughs) I guess not this record in particular. But uh, yeah, Defeated Sanity are a German brutal death metal band that have been around for seems like almost 20 years now anyway came into prominence i guess 2004 uh with an album called prelude to the tragedy and then after that their big breakout that's when i heard of them uh psalms of the moribund in 2007 kind of introduced me actually i think to this type of really really punishing brutal death metal i fancied myself a fan of heavy music one that could handle you know, blast beats and guttural vocals. But when I heard Defeated Sanity for the first time, I was like, okay, I think this is, this is a little bit illegal. Like this feels like a little too, too dangerous, too heavy. But of course I got into them. I got into them because they had a really technical bent that reminded me more of, of kind of like mathcore bands than like Necrophagist. So they sounded more like Dillinger Escape Plan, which I was and am a massive fan of but with this disgorge, uh, slamming, brutal death metal at the center of it. And that's kind of what's kept them, I think, special. And other bands have kind of done the Defeated Sanity thing, but they're still and always have been the masters of it. And I think that their new album this year, The Sanguinary Impetus, is their crowning achievement, at least to this point. It is, it is everything they have done, uh, completely streamlined and perfected and is without a doubt for me, the best metal album of the year, best heavy music album of the year, and just my straight up favorite universally. You weren't as big a fan of it though. Well, I actually, so it's my, it's my favorite of their albums. Um, yeah. And I think a big part of that is just the fact that the production allowed you to actually hear what was going on. Uh, which, found- which by the way, Colin Marston, who we've talked about, I said <laughs> yeah. earlier, I said earlier, he, he produced it. I, I don't, he mixed and mastered it. I don't know what producing means. I don't know what that means in the context of a death metal record. This <laughs> well, isn't I think Swift, it was, so. I think it was recorded somewhere else, but then they send him all the, the kind of raw files to actually mix and master. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they recorded in Germany, but then had him do the actual kind of sound they wanted to achieve and i mean it it, maybe that's just why it sounds so good is it was it is my favorite album from them i've i've never been the biggest fan i i found their out their music sounded so muddy that i couldn't really make out what was going on Mm -hmm. and but in this one i did i did like it a lot more i mean it didn't it wouldn't be in my top you know 15 or 20 metal albums of the year or anything but that's not to say I don't like it more than their other work. Cause I do. It just, I going back to when I was talking about like Theatis is like that for me is more what I want to hear out of this style of more brutal death metal and versus defeated Sandy. Like I appreciate everything they do. And, and there were some fantastic like riffs and ideas going on on the, on this new record. It just, yeah, they just never have, uh, they've never scratched the itch for me like they have for you. I, I can't really say, you know, we were talking about the spiciness and this is the spice. The, the, is Defeated is like, Sanity Dune? Is that what we're saying? Is that what the comparison no, is? Honestly, man, like I feel like if there's a, if there's a musical equivalent of Dune, because Dune is like a really misanthropic, kind of scary book. I think it's a, it's a creepy book. 
and it's. I've just no, seen the David Lynch film, and honestly, I loved it. I know I've never understood why it got so much hate. I mean, the the sandworm in the new trailer looked sweet. I can't wa- wait to watch it on HBO Max. Hey HBO, <laughs> yeah. please be a sponsor of our pod. HBO Max, all the movies will be on there in 2021. Well, we're sponsored by Me Undies. <laughs> uh, me undies um, no we're not we're not fun yeah i can't wait to watch that on my cell phone when i wake up on, uh, october 21st morning but yeah they um where was i they they're dune they're dune yeah they they have an approach to bru- slamming brutal death metal I, I don't know like does it does it bring it into the do, do i like it because it goes into the core territory and when i say the core territory i mean you know you know stuff that's like kind of antithetical to elite death metal like like i'm talking about your you know set dillinger escape plan ion dissonance these core bands that that it would be blasphemy to kind of incorporate into a you know an elite death metal sound but i feel like defeated sanity just do it and don't give a shit yeah those rhythms those rhythms and riffs that make you do like the stank face a little bit like oh like that's kind of that's nasty and groovy but still kind of tech and brutal yeah we so so the master the, the mastermind songwriter who who also recorded guitars and drums for this record is Lila Gruber yeah so he he just he brings a kind of you know a jazz uh, background to his playing uh, I'm not sure how much that permeates into the music but you, you can see how it affects it rhythmically so defeated sanity is a, a, a very rhythmically dense and complex band that goes without saying, you know, on par, at least with this record now, kind of on par with stuff that the Dillinger Escape Plan would be doing. I feel like before you, you got something that was a measure in 1316 and that would be kind of cool. But I feel like the bulk of this record is, is very off kilter and in a very Dillinger way, the most it's ever been. I, uh, I mean, from the lesson I had, and I think that's a reason why it also stuck out to me as a, like my favorite album of theirs is, is, and by that, I mean, it's kind of the first album for them I've actually in, like genuinely enjoyed are for those reasons that you kind of just mentioned. And it's interesting to talk about the jazz influence because, you know, we were talking about death metal drumming, just feeling kind of almost robotic. I mean, so many of these bands now do just have programmed drums for that reason. But his, I will say his drumming has a, has feel to it as much feel as you can get in kind of brutal death metal drums, but it definitely comes across at times as having a bit more feel and thought to it instead of just hitting kind of as quickly as possible. Yeah. Very, very meticulous. But at the same time, you'd be hard pressed to find a band that, that is just throwing gravity blasts, you know, like single-handed rolls at you with this density, not even like origin. Yeah. The gravity band. I feel like, like this is, this is surpassing them in terms of, like that wall of snare. Yeah. So yeah, defeated sanity, sanguinary impetus, just, just a celebration of everything. I think that makes metal great and you know, heavy music. I keep saying metal. I don't mean metal. I mean, heavy music. I don't want to limit it to metal because people get the wrong idea. Sanguinary impetus is kind of a, just dabbles in all of it and is, 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 is the best representation of it. It is what I would is what I would show a curious alien visiting Earth if they wanted to know what this uh, heavy music thing was all about. I'd be like, check out this. <laughs> and then they, they would annihilate us right yeah, after. Yeah, right away.
right, I guess my number one coming out of that is uh, a band from Anchorage, Alaska called uh, Yaldabaoth. I think I pronounced that relatively correctly. It's, it's, um, a, it's a Hebrew word, so, which yeah. means a daughter of the void. Yeah, or also in certain instances, false god. Both are cool. Yeah, both are very cool. I mean, Daughter of the Void is pretty sick. So they're from Anchorage, Alaska. Their album's called That Which Wets the Saccharin Palette. And this is a band I had never heard of before. Um, it seems from their release history, they had only ever released kind of one split EP. There is a band with the same name, I believe, from like Brazil. That's a completely different band. This is... Uh, what what would I call it? I mean, I haven't seen this appear on kind of anyone's anyone's list, which makes me feel very special about having this as my number one of the year. But I would call it as close to technical black metal as I've kind of heard other than a band like, say, Kralis. It's just, it's kind of got everything I want in an album, uh, like a heavy album. It's It's dynamic. There's tons of variety. It's very technical. It's very heavy. The way they phrase riffs and vocals and and ideas is very fascinating to me it's never what i expect to hear even when i listen to the album several times over and over again uh the the title track of the album sounds like the most underrated band of the last decade which is oregon uh the title track has a lot of similar ideas that oregon experiments with when it comes to technical death metal slash black metal uh you know, the album dropped in late February and, and I didn't hear it until, until the summer. And I don't even remember how I stumbled upon it. If it was a random deep dive on Bandcamp Friday, when I was trying to kind of find some stuff, or if it was just on a random blog, but I am incredibly happy. I found, found this record because it has really stood out to me ever since I heard it, that it's, it's by far my favorite album of the year. Part of that, again, may be due to just being surprised by this band that I've never heard of, that's not on a label, releasing a, an album that sounds like this. But it really sounds like if if I took all the things I like in heavy music and decided to filter it through kind of a, a quote-unquote black metal lens, this is what it would sound like. It, it's not black metal in the you know yeah atmospheric way or anything like that, just purely in how you know, the vocals and the guitars and drums interact with each other is very black metal, but it's just so, it's so tech. And yet the riffs are, the riffs are awesome. It has those, those moments of kind of uh, stank face-ness that I kind of talked about with Defeated Sanity. And yeah, I mean, I'll try again, a reminder of the band name, uh, Yaldabaoth. The one thing I will say about it is them being from Anchorage, was kind of interesting to me because there you don't see ton of bands kind of coming from up there but when you just think of kind of the climate and everything going on up there i'm i'm kind of surprised you don't see more heavy music from there kind of making it you know consistently um kind of coming out just because when you think of say like other really cold climates like a like anywhere in Scandinavia, like all, all parts of Scandinavia are known for whether it's Sweden with death metal or, or Norway with black metal, or I guess Finland with kind of both all those other colder climates seem to produce this kind of angry, really great metal. And I'm not surprised, I guess, really in retrospect of, of hearing such an awesome album coming from, from Alaska, but 
Yeah, that's my my favorite album of the year. And it may feel kind of anticlimactic because I don't think many people really know about it. It hasn't gotten talked about really at all. That's even more the reason for to recommend to kind of anyone listening that if you're into heavy music at all, if you want something that's constantly surprising, you know, it's the right length. It just has kind of everything going for it for me. So I, I would imagine that there are other metal listeners that it would kind of scratch every possible itch for as well. To me, you know, you say it's it's black metal. I definitely get a black metal. I, I get like a French black metal. Uh, sure, yeah. A bit of a cliche to say, but, you know, obviously a Death Spell Omega ass. Yeah, those influences are obvious. Like it has that little bit of dissonance going on. And I liked the French thing because it makes me think of a lot of those throat ruiner bands too. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, Plebeian Grandstand. Yeah, uh, yeah. Celeste. I know they're not throat ruiner, but, um, you know, like that kind of, that very that very French style of black metal, which I think prides itself on being extra uh, extra bleak, extra nihilistic. Here's that word again: extra disturbing. But yeah, it's, so it's it's cool that they come from Alaska. You'd think Alaska would be, like you said, it'd be pretty fertile. Maybe there is. Maybe there's this burgeoning. Maybe yeah. Maybe there's been a scene there the whole time, and um, and we just haven't been aware of it. I don't know. Yeah, this 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 feels cold. Uh, it, it, it feels inhospitable. It's definitely a good black metal record for what I imagine Alaska to be. Yeah. So, I mean, that's our, that's our, I guess each of our individual top five kind of making up a here wax ish top 10. So there, that's it. That's it. It's yeah. Done. So there fuck 2020 man. Fuck it. Yeah. So if we ever do another pod, which I would like to, it'll be in 2021. Uh, if you liked kind of what you heard today, us kind of talking about, you know, a lot of heavier music in more detail, that's something we'll we'll aim to continue to do in terms of covering some topics and trends we've seen, as well as potentially kind of focusing pods on, you know, really specific albums or artists, or, you know, maybe one day we can get some kind of interviews going on here, similarly to the interviews we were able to do on Here Wax, the written blog. But thanks for thanks for listening. And yeah, I guess I, depending on what platforms we post this on, you know, subscribe if you're eager to kind of hear more from us. And yeah, thanks again for for listening. Yeah, thanks. Still stretching our legs with this podcast thing. I'm sure it shows. But uh, yeah, I had a good time, and I'd like to do it again. So same. Thanks for having me, Logan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, peace. Take it easy.